Okay, welcome back to the TSF Entertainment <laughs> Channel. We're back. Can you hear me? <laughs> Mic check one, two. This is a loud and clear. Loud and clear? Loud and clear. All right, yeah. there you go. <laughs> All right, so it's your boy Retro CG, and I'm joined tonight by Really BTV. And we got Jack of Jordans in the building. What up, though? All right, we're going to try this again. Sorry, guys, we had a little technical um, difficulties the first it time. Happens. Well, it happens, so we back again. All right, so uh, we're here to talk about a killer on the run. We're going to talk about the gruesome murder of Mr. David Carter. Uh, we're going to try this again. <laughs> so we're going to hit you with the intro, and then we'll be back to talk about this case. Uh, as a disclaimer, this episode may contain some unsettling material or subject matter. Listener's discretion, viewer discretion is advised. So we're going to talk about some things that are kind of disturbing. So uh, those of you who are sensitive to that type of subject matter, just, you know, come come back later. All right. I'm going to hit you guys with the intro and we'll be back to talk about this case. Okay, and we're back. All right. Um, so David Carter was a 39-year-old father living in Melvindale, Michigan, whose dismembered body was found on the 1st of October, 2018. Um, this case is actually uh, from the Unsolved Mysteries, uh, the latest volume of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, it's episode three, um, Body in Bags. Uh, really, B, what did you think about the case? Because I remember you told me about this case even before I saw it on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, like I was saying, I just, for me, the case stuck because it just seems so, I mean, it's a sad case, obviously, but it just seems so open and shut. And it's just like, okay, why why are we still here three years later, you know? Um, but it definitely is a case that's taken steam. Um, a lot of people talking about it on social media. Definitely a case that resonated with people and, you know, People got their heads on a swivel. We'll talk about that later, but people are looking. Yeah. Uh, DJ, what did you think about the case? Um, I thought it was really interesting, especially since it happened in my hometown backyard. And um, the fact that... Oh, yeah, that is your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like 20 minutes away from Detroit. And the fact that, um, that they actually had retained her and they let her go because of the 72 hour rule is just crazy so this is very interesting and yeah we'll talk about the head thing so really b you want to tell us a little bit about the victim uh, i guess sure uh david carter um father entrepreneur um he worked a full-time job he also ran a, a, a business he, he had a clothing line he had a son he was very active in his son's life he wasn't an absentee dad had a really good relationship with um the mother he was a very good co-parenting relationship it was just they were like childhood sweethearts they had been together off and on for like 14 years um and they were co-parenting and that you know their child he was a family guy he had a little sister 
father, good relationship with his parents. You know, he wasn't, he was a good guy. Like nobody, you know, there wasn't any, uh, oh, well, he did this, he did that. Oh, he had this hidden, he had this dark part of him. Like he seemed like a really um, up, up, up guy, upstanding guy. Um, when him and the mother of his child, if I'm moving too too fast, let me know. Um, when they decided to call it quits for good, for good, they said that you kind of got the, the impression that he was a little bit of a player. He was out there. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. And next thing you know, he started showing up at family events and games and stuff like that with a woman by the name of Tammy. So, but he also had known Tammy since high school. So that's the scary you know. part. So David was born July 16, 1979 in Rang, Louisiana to parents Elton and Marie. He had three brothers and two sisters. The Carters, they were a military family and they ended up moving to Detroit, Michigan in 1983. David graduated from Southwestern High School in 1997 and played basketball at Saginaw Valley State University in Saginaw, Michigan. He was a proud father. He was extremely close to his family, uh, particularly his father and his sister. They said that, you know, David often would come by and, you know, check in with the family to see if there was anything that he needed to help out, help out with around the house. You know, he absolutely adored his son, which was his namesake, DJ. Um, and as really be said, while they were no longer romantically involved, David also enjoyed a warm and friendly relationship with his son's mother, Samia Connor. Uh, David was a busy man. Um, he worked a full-time job at an automotive supplier, uh, the Magnus Seating Plant in Highland Park. Um, he also had his own clothing line, Lavish Habits Unlimited. Um, he even found time to coach a youth football league at the Melvin Dill Junior Football League. This relationship that he developed with uh, Tamara Williams, Tammy, um, I think he had only been with her for six months. Yeah, like six months. Six uh -huh. months. And as really be said, they knew each other since high school. So that's another thing, like you said, uh, Jack, that what makes this case even more unsettling, that this wasn't really a stranger to him. He knew this young lady and mm -hmm. uh, mutual friends uh, knew her as well since high school. Um, that, that's, that's scary, actually. Um, he always looked forward to his uh, son's weekly visits. Uh, him and um, Samia, they co-parented together. David usually spent Sundays with uh, DJ, which is why they were kind of, you know, concerned when they both received text messages from David's phone canceling his weekly plans with his son. But DJ decided to go over to his father's apartment anyway because he had some things he wanted to get, in particular his phone charger. And that's when DJ had an odd encounter with his dad's girlfriend, Tammy. So in the case on Unsolved Mysteries, we saw that as DJ was approaching the apartment, um, Tammy was taking the trash out. She made an effort to hurriedly run back to the apartment and lock the door. <laughs> what? You lock the door as if DJ was just laudering in the parking lot that he wasn't going to come inside. That was odd behavior right there. So we knew that she was no good. What were your first thoughts when you heard DJ's account of that night? Well, I think I think we kind of have to go back a little bit 
to the weekend before this happened with um, at his football game. Just because it seems like that might be where all of this sort of started, maybe. Um, it seemed like the two of them, Sammy and David, weren't getting along. And at the football game, they came to the game together, but they did not sit together. And they had also had, um, I think the week before, he had taken his niece to the movies and he came back from the movie theater and all four of his tires were slashed. So, like, like, because he went to the movies. That's crazy. Yeah. So the family felt like the relationship was sort of ending anyway. Like, okay, this he's sort of winding down. So when the son went over there and saw Tammy, it was kind of like, oh, okay, Tammy's here. But like you said, he was like, I know she saw me and she literally pushed past me so she could get to the apartment before me and then lock me out, which was still so because I'm like, you had to know he has a key. But I feel like that was to buy some time, maybe so she could make sure that, you know. That like, bedroom door was closed. And that yeah, bathroom door was closed. The bathroom door was closed. The bedroom door was closed. Maybe make sure, you know, how you, you know, how you clean up something. And you go back in with fresh eyes like, OK, wait a minute. Let me let me see if somebody walks in the room, what they're going to see. And I right. feel like I feel like that was just a way to because, I mean, she knew he had a key. But I feel like that was a way to buy just a few minutes to say, okay, let me woo, let me make sure everything looked the way it's supposed to look. So, yeah, I, when I first heard that, I was like, that was my first clue that, and and it was it was his too. But you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. It's always easy to look back and say, oh, I should have known something. But you could be like, okay, he, she just acted real funny. Like, what's going on? She acted funny, you know. And so the family also, particularly his sister had said that from inception that she did not like Tammy. There was something right. about her that just didn't sit well with her. They felt as if Tammy was extremely possessive, controlling, um, just kind of like every time you saw David, you saw Tammy. She was always around. Uh, she never let him out of eyesight. Uh, the father even mentioned um, in an interview that he recalled one particular incident where they were having a cookout. A family gathering and david was on the grill um cooking and she was just there wiping the sweat from him and just you know being overly attentive to him so uh, right there in those comments they paint the narrative that tammy is uh a jealous female and when he took the cousin to the movies you know uh obviously she flipped out about it and decided to slash off four of his tires the family just chalked it up as the she was just overly jealous and you know that was a problem so going back to the the last night he was seen by his friends and family was at dj's football game that friday night and the family kind of uh recall the fact that they did not sit together samia even mentioned that uh at one point during the game she looked back towards tammy's direction and tammy was giving her this cold stare this cold look so it's kind of almost thought that you know maybe they had an argument prior to the game uh maybe he had possibly broken up with her and said hey you know what maybe we need to cool off you know maybe we need to go I our separate called, ways i think he called the quits around that time Yes, and, and if what they if what the family is saying about Tammy is true, I could see her showing up to that game anyway, even after they had broken up, even after they had had an argument because mm -hmm. she wasn't ready to let go. She wasn't going to let go. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jack, what's your thoughts? Um, I think really be uh, I think really be kind of nailed it. You know, like if you rewind it back prior to, you know, the son going, you know, going in there, the slashing of the tires thing, because he took his niece to the movies. I think the writing was not not saying that she was going to murder him, but I think the writing was on the wall as far as them being over. I don't know if he expressed that to his son, you know, and then maybe that could have drew a red flag, you know, when the son, I mean, another red flag when the son went in there, you know, but in hindsight, they got to be like bone chilling almost for the son to go back and to reach back and just to think that he was right. Like he was in the same, he was there, you know, right after it happened. And, you know, it's just, a, uh, I, man, it's, it's just spooky. It was really, really, it's just spooky. And the way that, and the way that they, and the way that they uh, make her character out to be, she was very controlling and, and needed all of the attention. And she definitely had some other psychological issues, which makes me kind of wonder who else has she dealt with prior to, you know, to, to this guy, prior to David. Because this ain't got to be, this is probably not her first rodeo of this type of rage. You know, maybe to not, to not this extent, you know, but I'm kind of just waiting for other dudes to kind of come out and say, yeah, me too. She slashed my tires too, just to kind of get more of an uh, of an analysis of what type of character she is. So uh, I'm going to take a page from Really B's book, and I'm going to flip the pages back just a little bit. Because uh, hearing you say that, and that's a really good point, is that, you know, obviously this isn't the first man that she's been involved with. Um, she was a mother of twins. Right. So obviously she had been in other relationships, serious relationships. Uh, but I want to go back to the fact, let's go back to high school. Because in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, there was uh, an, another young lady who wasn't the baby mother. And I can't remember her name at the moment. Oh, God, I can't remember the name. But she was a mutual friend. Her and David had been friends for many years. And then, of course, uh, his relationship and, you know, them sharing a uh, child uh, with Samia is almost, you almost asked your question, had she been harboring feelings towards David since high school? Had she been harboring a crush, you know, and now she finally got an opportunity to be with this man? And so maybe that's what kind of ignited this whole uh, possessive behavior that she displayed because uh, maybe she had been wanting to be in this man's life for some time and finally got the opportunity because uh, the friend mentioned that, you know, once David had announced that him and Tammy were dating, you know, that was kind of shocking to them. And, you know, apparently her and Tammy were some type of mutual friends as well, but they had kind of grown apart throughout the years, as many friends do from high school into adulthood. And, you know, life happens. People have kids. They get married, you know. So Did they, did they say who pursued who? They didn't. Um, uh, in the segment, they mentioned that they all met or they reconnected at a mutual friends uh, gathering, a party or something of the effect. So uh, I would have to uh, think that probably Tammy may have pursued him, uh, which goes back to my theory now that maybe she had been harboring some feelings towards him um, previously. And this was an opportunity for her to uh, not let this man go. You know, she finally got a hold of him. You know, I'm not going to let him go. 
So mm-hmm. maybe this will explain her odd behavior in regards to the relationship. In mm-hmm. a six-month relationship for someone that you haven't been in dealings with since high school, there's a lot that you have to rediscover about each other. Right. So I feel like maybe the relationship was maybe moving a little too flat, fast for maybe mm-hmm. David. And, and this behavior was probably concerning as it would be with any a man that's dating a female that's behaving this way it would probably alarm them so i would have to think that uh in this case maybe that's exactly what happened is that you know she finally got a hold of him and i'm not gonna let him go Uh and everyone else and everything else was a threat to that i'm gonna lose this man Uh so and it's odd because she didn't seem to be a female that didn't have her life together. She had right. a good job. She was a phlebotomist at the Detroit Medical Center. She was a travel agent. She was a mother of twins. So, I mean, she wasn't uh, uh, the type of female that didn't really have aspirations or goals in life. You know, she wasn't out here just making babies all over town. So, I mean, she 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 had a decent life about herself, So, which is... Yeah. Crazy. That's what. That, that's why you know you just you never know like yeah because they said that um she was the kind of person that was never single for long mm-hmm. so she you know maybe listen you never know yeah so getting back to the case in the first week of october of 2018 after failing to show up for work over three days which the co-worker was on the unsolved mystery segment um roger who had been uh, friends and uh, worked with david for almost 12 years or um knew that something was wrong when david didn't show up for work that sunday because he never missed double time or and so he knew something was wrong from that respect and he decided to call um um Tamia, which was David's sister, and you know, let her know that hey, David hadn't been to work in three days. And so with this, the family knew something was wrong and they had uh became concerned, and they all went over to uh David's apartment and they decided to um call Tammy and ask about David's whereabouts. Of course, she denied knowing where he was. And after not receiving any information from Tammy, the family went to the apartment looking for David. And at his apartment, the family investigated and they found things that were clear indications that he had been a victim of foul play. Um, His sister spoke of the bed being undressed, uh, sheets balled up in the closet, uh, blood stains under the mattress, and like a bullet. Bed. Oh, too, doesn't it? The father discovered a bullet hole in the uh closet, uh, yeah. and in the bed. So, at that point, the family reported him missing. Um, and there's there's a there's a little bit more detail regarding that incident, um, that they didn't show in the unsolved mystery segment, but um. The police had arrived and the family was still there. And, you know, they pretty much uh, went in to do a wellness check. And the officer commented to the fact that the the apartment seemed clean, um, not disorderly. He didn't see anything was wrong. 
and you know they tried to alert his attention to the the odd appearance of the bed they saw that indentations in the uh, floor where the bed had been moved mm-hmm. you know, big red stain it was missing sheets or a comforter from the bed so the bullet hole in the closet obviously there's something going on here right and and so uh uh tanisha her husband and the father they were all there they found the blood stains uh the bullet hole they at that point i think melvindale police uh, officially filed a missing persons report mm-hmm. and started working the case yes so how do we think that law enforcement handled the situation um based on some other cases that we've talked about over here retro read my I, mind. huh i said you read my mind go ahead i honestly feel like they did a really good job we've seen cases where families have had to literally fight for the police to take it seriously that something is wrong with their family member i think that something that we can't underestimate is how well your family and friends know you mm-hmm. um even his the even the mother of his child walked in the apartment and the first thing she said was he wouldn't have left his apartment like this like i like he wouldn't have balled up his sheets he wouldn't have left the house without his bed being made like he's a neat he person. wouldn't have left the door unlocked he, well yeah well that's definitely was a was a major indicator and so honestly compared to some other cases that we've seen i feel like the missing person side of this, I feel like they were on it. Honestly, I agree. honestly, I don't have. Well, we'll get there, but I'll just answer that question. Yeah, honestly, I think they were on it. Wasn't they doing? Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't she responding to the text messages that people that were sending were sending yeah. to the phone? Yeah. She responded to the text messages. Well, that's one of the things that the family, in hindsight, uh, kind of thought back on and, and went back like, and reread the text messages and like, I don't think that was David texting them because. Um, DJ particularly uh, went on to want to see his father that day when he came by the apartment mm-hmm. and the bedroom door was closed. Uh, the bathroom door was closed, which he thought was odd because his dad never left the door open. Um, the sister even went on to say that he always kept a robe or a hoodie or a jacket or something always hanging on the door mm-hmm. um, at the top of the door. So the door never really was fully closed. You know, even if he had it pulled up, there was always something hanging on the door where the door was never fully closed or nor the bathroom. So they thought that was odd behavior. And then in DJ's message to his father, he asked his father, did he need anything? Did he need any medicine or anything? He wanted to call his father and his father responded, I'm too sick to talk on the phone. That's I was. That's the point I was getting to, was I, that I'm too sick to talk on the phone thing. But yet right. when he arrived at the apartment and wanted to just peek his head in and check on his dad, uh, Tammy quickly announced that he had went for a walk. This right. man is so sick that he can't even see his son, that he can't even see his son on the phone. Now he went for a walk. Yeah, now he's got out for a walk. So it, it, it's it's a blessing. It's really a blessing that DJ did not open the door, that he did not try to engage any further, that you know, uh he just had uh the good mindset to just leave that you know this was weird mm-hmm. you know uh because who knows what he would have discovered if he would have opened that bathroom or that bedroom door or what she would have even done to him That's right what she would have done because the reality is like you said if he opens up that door 
and she thinks that he sees anything or suspects anything, or even if he had acted suspicious, like the fact that he just was like, all right, fine, then, you know, I'll, all right, I'll talk to her, I'll talk to, you know, I'll talk to him later. Even if she had acted suspicious, I think it would have been a problem. Yeah. Or maybe she was even in the process of the dismemberment, you know, and you know, we don't know when the, the crime took place, the time. So we don't know if it happened that Sunday, did it happen that Saturday night, did it happen that Friday night. So, you know, we don't know what was behind that door. So if he could have opened that door and very well seen his father dismembered or she maybe was in the process of dismembering him. It was just it was unknown as to what he would have saw if he would have opened that door. And that's the scary right. part about it. Bone chilling. Just just to think about that, just to think about that, that memory will stay with him for the rest of his life. And I can only yeah. imagine what type of anger and pain and sadness that that young man experiences recalling that day for the rest of his life. On October the 2nd, 2018, Carter was declared a missing person. Only one day earlier, a lower torso and legs were found on Interstate 75 in Ohio. It had been discovered in a sleeping bag by a DOT worker uh, in which they actually did a pretty good job with reporting this. Because, I mean, how many times do we see things laying inside the road and trash and things like that, that, you know, it, it was just a blessing that they just didn't go on about their day that this stood out to them as odd that it could possibly be a human remains in this um, sleeping bag that they called it in because they could have very well just continued on with their work and not reported it. So it was very fortunate that they reported it. And when the sleeping bag, well, when the state patrol got there and opened the sleeping bag, they saw that it was a uh, torso and legs that were in the bag. And they took it to the coroner's office and the coroner reported that uh, on the left leg, there was a distinct tattoo of a pit bull with red eyes. And uh, th this this corner was on it as well because, you know, she was aware of the fact that there was a missing person from Melvin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about maybe roughly about maybe 45 minutes to an hour outside of Michigan where uh, the first part of his remains were found. So she called it in to Melvinville and let them know what they had discovered in Ohio, at which time the uh, Melvindale police chief uh, contacted the family, the father, and uh, was particularly concerned about whether or not David had any tattoos. And when they informed them of the pit bull tattoo, that they knew that they had found yeah. the remains. Yep. All y'all tattoo folks. Yeah. Tammy Williams quickly became the prime suspect in David Carter's murder. Based on her behavior that Sunday and the subsequent lack of concern, the family mentioned that when they had called her to ask about, had you seen David? She said she hadn't seen him since Sunday. She didn't show any signs of concern about he would be missing. And they knew that that was odd behavior of her because uh -huh. she was so possessive over him. And the fact that she didn't know where he was and didn't have any concerns about his well-being alerted the family that uh, she was involved in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, I mean, her nonchalant just, 
I mean, Beyond gave her away. Like, she didn't even pretend like she cared. I yeah. feel like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the end result, I think the, I think she still would have been the, the main suspect. But I feel like she might have bought herself some time or some empathy had she even pretended like she cared. Like, if I'm dating somebody for six months and the family says, calls me up and say, hey, have you talked to so-and-so? And I'm like, what do you mean? I just I talked to him Sunday. He wasn't feeling good. He was sick. Right. Oh, he hasn't been to work. Like, even if I know, like, I know what I did, I'm pretending. I'm showing up. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, let's go. Like, we got to start a search. Like, I'm pre- I'm playing my part. But she totally had checked out. Like, oh, well. Like, that's y'all problem. Williams was brought in for questioning on that Friday. Uh, with the family uh, learning of her arrest, they were at DJ's football game. DJ's team went on to uh, win the game. DJ credited his performance that night to uh, his father. And um, this is where, well, I mean, I understand the law is the law. I mean, even if she was, wasn't guilty, I mean, the fact that they brought her in for questioning, they could only hold her for 48 hours. They didn't have enough evidence at that time to secure an arrest warrant. So I understand why they released her. I really do. Yeah. Uh, even though we we pretty much feel like they shouldn't have, but the law is the law. And everyone's uh, uh, deserves their due justice. I well, mean, I, I'm not going to say I don't feel like they shouldn't have. I'm going to say if they didn't have enough evidence then i'm okay with what they did but what i feel like and again and and as it as it relates to other cases that we have followed over the years this really is is i I really don't have a lot of criticism but the one thing i will say is i feel like they could have maybe had her under surveillance yes i know that the marshals were able to give us a great timeline after the fact but i think in the moment i feel like we i feel like they could have done a better job yeah, because she was released from custody three days after her initial arrest. Yeah, and, and that was the amount of time that she could be held without criminal charges being filed, according right. to Michigan state law. Mm-hmm. There was not enough evidence to press charges. So I agree. They, they should have had her under surveillance. Yeah, yeah bare minimum, they could have had it under surveillance. But yeah, the 72, like, it's kind of like one of them things, like, damn, we kind of let one get away, you know what I'm saying? But it, I, I understand why that law is in place because, you know, a person could be innocent. But it's just like we had her and we let her get away. But you have to also look at the investigating um, officer or detective that was involved in the case. I mean, she's 5'5". Five, five. She's like 160 pounds, whatever. In the back of their mind, maybe she's involved. But is she really capable of committing this murder? I mean, I mean, if you look at her, she doesn't look like the type that would be able to create to commit such a gruesome crime. So, you know, part of them probably thinks that, you know, she knows more than what she's saying. But is she really the person responsible for the crime itself? So and I we feel also- like we dropped the ball a little bit there on that side of things where yeah. they should have they should have tailed her. They should have followed her. They should have uh, at least uh, had her provide an alibi and investigate that alibi as to where she was from Friday to Sunday. I wonder what the investigator interview was like, honestly. Yeah, I I would have liked to have known about that as well. 
in her like, mannerisms and her behavior. Yeah, yeah, to maybe see, you know, like the somewhere down the line, maybe if they release a tape on the investigator interview, you know, and the questions that they ask her, like you said, her mannerisms and the way she just was, you know, was carrying her in herself because holding her as a person of interest, I got to dig a little bit deeper into it because it's, it's something, it's something else that they could have held her on or, you know, because of the murder, I'm going I'm to I'm dig deeper into it though. Well, this is where I feel like they may have dropped the ball initially with the investigation because at this point they should have checked phone records at this point. And I, I'm sure they had to secure warrants for all this, but within three days of them having her for initial questioning, I felt like it was enough time for them to secure warrants for uh, DNA, maybe fingerprints, uh, phone records. I feel like they should dig a little deeper into her alibi. I'm sure she would have had to provide one and investigate those to see if she was lying see if they could catch her in a lie before they had to end up releasing her but i just feel like they may have done an initial round of questions or a round or two of questioning and then just let her go which the family was um very frustrated when they learned that they had released her as well and nobody kept any tabs on her after they released her you know right that's that's the big thing they tell you do not leave town without notifying us right you know and they keep an eye out for a a poi but at the same time you know i I feel like that's where the ball was majorly dropped at because they just let her go and let her go on about her business without keeping close tabs on what her next moves were that's like i said that's that's that would be my biggest criticism um criticism yeah because i feel like again from a legal perspective like i understand you can't really take you, you know once you show your hand and you have to kind of be ready to move so i understand from that perspective but like you said they could have kept her under under surveillance um and then you know maybe maybe they would know where she went i don't know right right Ten days after the sleeping bag containing David Carter's lower torso was found, a second bag was found along I-75 in Ohio, north of the first drop site. This bag was a black bag with red straps containing David's head, wrapped in several plastic grocery bags. The county coroner confirmed David had died from a single gunshot wound below his left ear. Now, this situation right here um they had done an autopsy on the remains that they had and uh they discovered in toxicology that he had an antihistamine in his system um which two things you can think of maybe he was sick and he had took some medicine and he had just been in a deep sleep she snuck into his apartment and killed him or maybe she drugged him with the antihistamine so he would be in a deep sleep because uh during the examination of the remains there were no signs of a struggle there were no bruising there was other than the the heinous act that was committed there was no defensive signs of any type of struggle or whatever the case may be so do we believe that david was actually sick or do we felt like maybe she may have drugged him with an antihistamine Ooh, I, I think so. I think she probably drugged him because, again, she was, you know, like this was a big dude, and like the the um the the medical examiner said that it, there was no sign of struggle. So either he was asleep when he was attacked, or he was some way 
um, dis, dis, disoriented or whatever, because she said there was no sign of struggle. And I mean, you talking about a, a what was he six? Would you say he was six foot nine? What, what, what was he again? I think he was six six. Right. That's no. That's no little. And she was five five, and he was a big dude. Like he was, you know, he wasn't fat, but he was solid. Like I, I think there would have had to been something to keep him at bay. And I mean, we know she had some medical background, so. And they said that the lower torso itself weighed over 75 pounds. So it's right. possible to think that the dismemberment was uh, for logistic purposes for her to be able to move the body. For me, I just don't understand why she just didn't just shoot him and leave him there. You know, the whole dismemberment and you know, stuffing him into a sleeping bag and, you know, even still, she would have had to haul him out of that apartment. She would have had to. And that's another thing. Um, how did she transport the remains? You would have think that they would have gotten warrants to search her vehicle to see if there was any DNA in um, the vehicle. To me, those are facts that weren't released. And I'm sure because you know what? That is a good question. Now, that's a good point. You're right. And they didn't bring any of that up. That's really now that's a good that is a good question. That's a good. That's a good question. Yeah, and, I, and I'm and I'm chalking it up to because it's an active investigation that they're not going to tell us so much. But mm-hmm. to me, that's that's the first thing I would do if I was the investigating detective, is like, okay, I want I want to examine her vehicle, uh, for any signs where she may have transported the remains. Um, gosh, it's just so hard to imagine the effort that it would take to dismember someone with a regular kitchen knife. I mean, even with her being in the medical field, the fact is that is a very gruesome, hands-on, not going to be done in five minutes act. You know, she would have had to have time to separate him in the manner in which she separated him, you know, and to be able to stuff the contents in these bags, uh, and they also haven't revealed to us whether or not these were bags that belonged to him. Did he own this sleeping bag? This true religion bag with the red straps with his head in it, was this his bag? You know, so I don't know if these are uh and Xavier Xavier brings up a point. He says it seems like a lot, you know, she drugged him, she shot him, then she dismembered him, but what the medical examiner feels like is that the dismemberment was out of necessity because it was like okay now he's dead what am i going to do now yeah you know and it that that part i don't think was necessarily premeditated because she didn't even have what she you know i hate to say it like this but she didn't even have what she needed and she used what was available to her yeah so that part i don't think was premeditated I don't even know if the whole thing was premeditated, to be honest with you, but I'm leaning towards yes, just from the point of view of the fact that I think he might have been drugged, but I don't know. Like, if she was really jealous and they got into an argument and he was trying to break up with her once and for all, it really could have been a prime of passion, but I don't know. I'm going to lean away from the crime of passion element simply because if he wasn't sick and she drugged him with the hand histamine, obviously she would have had to bring the murder weapon with her, with her. 
And I think the dismemberment part. Now, I don't think that part of the the crime was premeditated. I don't think she thought that far into it. I think after she had unalived him and realized that I can't move this man by myself. So you have to even ask yourself the question, even with her dismembering him, did she have help? Could she have had help? Same thing. Like, man, maybe she had some help because you say 6'6", she's 5'5", and even her torso torso was 75 pounds. That's weight. That's that's weight. I felt as though, I mean, I hate to say it, that she would have, how can I say this? Without it sounding so gross. That she would have broke it that she that maybe she would have took different parts of his body into multiple different bags in order for her to move the you know in order to more move the body so like the whole time i was watching i was like why do i feel like somebody helped her definitely somebody still helping her but why do i feel somebody helped her the packing part of it she may have been able to do on her own but then when you think about it when you are uh the lower torso in particular that's something what she's not going to just throw it over her shoulder and take it and put it in the trunk of her car right to me it, it would have seemed like she would have needed some type of assistance in uh loading the body into a vehicle into a vehicle don't know if it was hers or not. Don't know what type of vehicle she drove. And, and even to pull over to the side of the interstate yeah. and then get that body out of the trunk yeah. and then drag it to the woods without being seen doing this. To me, I, I wonder if there's another party that's involved or parties I think that so. are involved. 75 pounds of dead weight pulling it out of the trunk like that's and for a little lady like that that's nah that's more than a notion at this point so and I think, to make sure that you're not leaving any evidence with you or you're not leaving any evidence on the remains 75 is not a small interstate you know so it's a, you know it's not a it's fight busy either. It's, it's, busy. it's a busy interstate so yeah. i mean you would have to think that that would that that portion of the crime would have probably taken place overnight mm-hmm. late night or whatever the case may be. But even late nights, though, it, like seventy five is busy with a lot of semi trucks. Oh yeah, it, yeah, because it, it runs th- it runs through a lot. Yeah, it's busy down here in Georgia. Seventy five. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, busy, so so. it's like, like it's, it's from Michigan to Ohio. It's super busy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. The main theory that's explored in the Unsolved Mysteries episode is that Tammy is the person that killed him. And uh, given her nonchalant behavior and her actions after the fact, it's probably likely that she did commit the crime itself again. Um, it, It hasn't been presented in any of the theories. I don't know if it's even being investigated that is there another party involved? But to me, I would feel like she had to have had some type of help, mm-hmm. whether after the fact or before the fact or during the fact, she would have had to have some type of help. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like she's got help after the fact. Yeah, like, she, absolutely. Yeah, she's got some help after the fact. The U.S. Department of Justice is looking for Williams in relation to Carter's death. 
Uh, she's wanted for mutilation, dismemberment of a dead body, tampering with evidence, and felony firearm. U.S. Marshals are reportedly offering a $10,000 reward for information about Williams, with police saying that in September 2021, they think Williams' family may have helped her run and evade law enforcement. Uh, so that's another interesting element to the case that I'm going to bring up that I feel like she has had some help. Uh, we have learned uh, there's a connection between an allegedly corrupt Detroit Union official, Miss Verding Day. Verding Day was all was charged in federal court with bank and wire fraud after a scheme was allegedly uncovered following an audit that was initiated in 2020. Day, who was an, uh, once an honored and decorative Detroit woman firefighter, uh, had just retired. And according to her indictment, she was the treasurer from December the 1st, 2015 until 2000, September 2019. When she retired from the Detroit Fire Department, she became the treasurer for the union and she had been with the department for 29 years and she was elected treasurer to maintain track expenses for the fire department she was also paid a salary of 40 percent of her base pay she received a monthly car allowance a cell phone allowance paid parking and multiple credit cards which she is indicted for over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of misappropriated funds so she had no reason to steal that money she was just being greedy yeah, she was being greedy and got caught. They said she went on cruises, $20,000 worth of cruises. She went on over $160,000 of personal checks that was written to her for cash. Uh, is some of this money used to help her daughter? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. Absolutely. So I uh, got an a, a article, well, uh, a news report regarding uh, Verding Day. But we begin tonight with a woman on the run from the U.S. Marshals. Thank you for joining us for Action News at 6. I'm Carolyn Clifford. And I'm Brian Abel. This woman is accused of a brutal murder after investigators found her boyfriend's remains along the highway. Tonight, 7 Action News reporter Simon Shaykhead is breaking ground in the case with a new revelation about how she may be surviving as a fugitive. U.S. Marshals have increased the reward in this case to $10,000, and we've just confirmed with sources that the woman wanted for murder now on the run also has a mother who's just been indicted for allegedly stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Detroit Fire Department. It's a heinous crime. It's a major case with the U.S. Marshals. He was a young father, a loving son, and brother. To all who knew him, 39-year-old David Carter was devoted to family. But in October of 2018, his relationship with girlfriend Tamara Williams came to an abrupt and tragic end. He's reporting missing in October, and then that day, his uh, body remains were discovered um, spread out along I-75 going down to Ohio. As Melvindale police investigated, U.S. Marshals say Tamara fled the state to New York and also has ties to Georgia and other states. We believe that somebody knows where she's at, that, that somebody is helping her. Uh, you cannot be on the run without financial support. Um, you need you need the means. On the run for three years, sources now tell us a recent twist has offered new insight into the case. Tamara's mother, Verdine Day, a former Detroit Fire Department treasurer, just indicted for allegedly stealing roughly 200000 from the union, could have helped fund Tamara's expenses evading capture. He was somebody you could actually look up to. Like, whatever he taught me, 
He taught me from right to wrong. You never know like how much life somebody brought into a room or the house until they're not there. Family members of the young father are still praying Tamara will be found to face charges. Marshall says she is 42 years old, 5 foot 5, 190 pounds with tattoos on her shoulder. The fugitive, who also goes by Tammy, has worked as a travel agent and could be in a new relationship at this point. Maybe she's dating another guy and he don't know that she's charged with this, has no idea from another state, you know, he could be at risk. If you have any information that could help locate Tamara, please call 313-202-6458. Also, the marshals want to point out anyone helping her remain on the run could also face charges. Simon Shaykat, 7 Action News. All right, thank you so much. Lock them up too because that mama is helping her. Yep. So, um, but that's a good question, Xavier. I, I press Xavier asked, do they still think she's still in America? Again, because this is still an ongoing investigation, they're not given a lot of those details. But I think that they're investigating this as if she had fled, maybe north rather than south, maybe gone into Canada rather than I don't know. But because she does have that background as a travel agent, because she did have like a head start, because nobody you know, the police weren't really paying attention. And because she probably did have some money, I'm thinking that maybe she's not even in the United States anymore if you want to know the truth of the matter. It, there's been sightings that have been reported that she's here in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I hope that she's not, but... Um, you're going to run into her down that... to the down to the uh, Piggly Wiggly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> better watch your back. I've been looking for her already. <laughs> I've been looking for her already. Uh, there's Retro's also gonna be like, been, uh, gonna be like, I want y'all to meet my new girlfriend. I'm gonna be like, uh, you nah, check that shoulder. Nah. <laughs> but you that's another that thing. Shoulder? Let's talk about the tattoo because she does have a bouquet of roses. Um, that's a sleeve that's on her uh, shoulder. She could have possibly gotten it covered up. She may even be covering it up with makeup. Uh, it's scary to think that she could possibly be involved with another guy right now, unknowing mm -hmm. and him unknowing how dangerous she is. She's yeah. a mother of twins. She's had no contact with her, her, her children or her grandchildren. She's also a member of the Eastern star. Uh, so they feel like uh, she has access to an organization through the Masons and the order of Eastern star that she could have a network of people that could possibly be helping her. Um, no. <laughs> I know that hits home for both of you. That hits, that hits home for both of you. I'm gonna say this: it they, I ain't saying nothing. Go ahead. But to me, I feel like in the organization there needs to be something that's been uh, sent out to all the members to kind of be on the lookout for her to see if she tries to make any contact with any of the her sisters in the Eastern Star. Um, with her connections to the travel uh, industry, uh, it's possible that she could be out of the country. But the fact of the matter is, um, I, I just I can't see her as a female uh, being on the run this long and not running into any other issues that would uh, alert her presence to where she's at so i mean it's suspected that maybe she's staying with family in another state and they're just hiding her out 
or whatever the case may be. I don't personally think that she's on the run on her own. I think she. I think now she probably definitely on the run. I think she probably did moved again wherever she's at because. Oh, uh, once this came out, wherever she was, she she she. Yeah. And I think now because it's so visual, mm-hmm. she might make a mistake. Like, oh yeah, because I do. Wherever she was this all this time, and also we got to take into consideration that the pandemic probably helped a lot. Mm-hmm. As far as oh, yeah. her not having to move around a lot, and oh yeah, not, you know the pandemic probably helped a lot, you know. But now, you know, I definitely feel like wherever she was, this story and the popularity of this story may have pushed her to have to move, or like you said, make some make some risky decisions that she didn't have to make before. Um, and the yeah. fact that her mom's now been indicted for the stealing her her financial source may have come to an end as well. So mm-hmm. if the mom, mom has been sending her money, yeah. she no longer has access to that now. So with her mom right. facing criminal charges, I'm sure they're gonna uh put the squeeze on the mom. And so uh whatever aid that she may have been getting may have came to an end where now she possibly for the first time since she's been on the run, now on the run on her own devices, she's gonna get sloppy. Everybody watch Netflix. And this uh-huh. is such a big case, and you know, everybody's talking about it. Um, she's gonna make a move and it's gonna be the wrong move, and she's gonna get caught. And I just hope that this family gets the justice. They seem like such a beautiful family well-presented family and it's the families like this that i just i feel the my deepest condolences and sympathy for because they were out here living their life doing the right thing they all mentioned that david involved nobody you know he might have been a a bit friendly with the uh, with the women but that ain't nothing that didn't mean he deserved to lose his life right you know and it he didn't was, say he was a womanizer. It just said that, you know, after he got out of the... That's another thing. Country. What is the motive? What is the motive beyond the narrative of her being this jealous, controlling female? He didn't beat on her. It didn't seem like he cheated on her. But the reality so, is some people don't need anything deeper than that. I, I want you. So. you don't, I want you. You don't want me. And there's nothing... It doesn't... I mean, we've seen it happen all the time. You know, jealousy, we've seen it happen with, with men and women and women and men. Like, jealousy it doesn't need to be any deeper than that especially if he was trying to break up with her or he had broken up with her especially if they had been fighting i mean they said like the family said from the minute she first came around like you never saw david without her and she was at everything she was jealous of everybody like anytime you got mad because he took his niece to the movies i mean come on like you got some yeah issues. there was there was something wrong after he had took that cousin to the movies and she slashed allegedly slashed the tires i mean yeah. all this is uh alleged but but yeah, that, alleged. But because of the fact that she's on the run then you know you kind of make yourself look guilty you know but that's another question um and again it's ongoing so we we don't know what we don't know what interviews were taking place and what questions were asked but i would be curious to see if the police did reach out to her ex relationships, ex boyfriends, and is this a pattern of behavior? Is this is something that other people were like, yeah, she did this to me, or yeah, she did that to me, or yeah, that's why I broke up with her. That I think is a um, that would be an interesting question or interesting information to find out as well. And we've all seen in several other different cases and situations in life that obsession can lead to a form of psychosis so maybe she just had a a a a mental break i mean for someone to do something like this you're not all here 
something is missing yeah and left your your mindset for you to even think that this was something that needed to have been done to another human being mm-hmm. you know cut this man up like this and and the thing is what really bothers me they talked about when his mother was diagnosed with cancer they had went mm-hmm. over and visited the mother and you know she even spoke to the fact that hey we're going to be there with you to step you through this i'm going to help you go to your doctor's appointments you know she worked in the medical field for someone who spent time around my child my family and to to in and act like this that's just so extreme i mean you know she comes from a family that just you know greed even with her mother's behavior you know like you said that woman wasn't destitute, you know. She was just being greedy and stole money. So this this is another form of greed, obsession. You know, if I can't have them, no one else can. So you know, it's just it's the overall all around disturbing behavior, and the fact that you know she's got twin kids that have to live in this shame that you know their mother is an accused murderer, their grandmother is an accused thief, you know, just. I mean, I feel sorry for her family as well because I mean, all this pressure that is being put on her family—that's a lot to deal with as well. But and they said the you know law enforcement said that you know they reached out you know of course every time they reach out to the family it's no we haven't talked to her we haven't talked to her so I don't know. That's why I feel like someone in the family is helping her because they have mentioned several times that the family is un- uncooperative. They don't want to aid in the investigation. They, you know, they, they're just not responsive. And so um, hopefully with the U.S. Marshals being involved that, you know, the Marshals, they're going, they, they, when they're on the hunt for you, they're not going to let you go. They're going to keep looking until they find you dead or alive. They, they're not yeah. going to give up their search. So they did hopefully not. with this uh, additional $5,000 they've added to the reward to increase it to 10000 the notoriety from Unsolved Mysteries platform and Netflix platform, uh, us YouTubers and true crime uh, communities that are sharing the story all around, hopefully this will put a lot more uh, awareness on the case that wherever she is, that one, she'll just turn herself in. But to be quite honest with you, how I think it's going to end up is I think she's going to end up taking her life. I think when they do get to her, uh, she's going to either take her life or she's going to either have law enforcement uh, unalive her or she's going to uh, commit an act where she unalives herself. Uh, I can see how that's, I can see that ending for her because I don't think that she's going to be strong enough to face this family and what she's done. And look at the stain that she's left on the Detroit Medical Center. And, you know, uh, it's just, I don't think that she will face her day in court. I would like for her to face her day in court and get uh, the maximum punishment that's allowed in the state of Michigan for her. But for some reason, I don't feel like she's going to go out like that. And I can see that. I, oh. I, can, I can definitely see that being the drastic decision. Um, did we ever get an update on her mom? Did her mom ever go to jail? Has her mom been put on trial? She's been recently indicted as of September of this 
No, last oh, that year. was this. Year. Oh, so that was very recent. Okay, yeah, then yeah, yeah it, it's it's, it's been very recent that she's been indicted. So I don't know where they're at with that. Most likely, she's going to cop to a plea, and most likely, you know, probably said that lady long gone. <laughs> she said that girl, that lady gone. <laughs> that lady gone. <laughs> I'm about <laughs> laughing. Somewhere I'm about laughing at the circumstances, but I don't know. I don't know. Her and the mama might be on the run together. But uh, when I look for any updates in regards to the mother's case, there's nothing out there on her as well. So I don't know well, where. If she was she... just indicted in September, then it's probably not a lot. It's probably not yeah. a lot out there. And you have to imagine that uh, even though COVID is not where it was a couple of years ago, there's still a backlog of cases. Yeah. There's still a lot of backlog of cases that are ahead of her. And yeah. if she's got I mean, a we, good lawyer. We even see it. Look at. Um... Look at Meg the Stallion's case. I mean, that mm-hmm. happened two years ago, and that trial is supposed to it's supposed to start next month. But again, that was two years ago, and that was something I don't even think it was that complicated of a case. But so yeah, it's going to take a while for them to get get the courts caught up to where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, and I think that most likely uh, she'll probably end up doing some federal time, or uh, she'll end up getting um um some type of probation or restitution or something to that effect. She definitely got to pay that money back. Or she's going to have to pay that money back. She's going to have to pay that money back. And the union, um, they haven't released any statements. The Detroit Fire Department hasn't released any statements in regards to it. You know, to have one of their own uh, 29-year veteran of the force uh, to do something like this. And then uh, the fact that she's the mother of an accused murderer. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, hardship that they're dealing with in regards to that as well. So most likely they'll probably throw the book at that lady. And if she does get uh, convicted, she'll probably do some prison time. And they're probably going to lean on her e- even harder to try to see if she's been helping Tammy. So, yeah, Oh, I'm goes, sure that they that pension are is, yeah, sure they're monitoring yeah. all her, her phone calls, her bank accounts. I'm sure they're monitoring all of that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. They probably have uh, 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 seized her pension, maybe tax returns, um, um, retirement. All that probably is being seized in lieu of her stealing all that money she stole. And they probably need to investigate because uh, they noticed she went on two cruises uh, in the amount of $20,000. So I'm quite sure they're probably investigating all those parties that were a part of uh, these lavs vacations and, and things that she went on as well. So, you know, everybody's a suspect at this point. All right. Any uh, final thoughts on this case? Um, my final thought is I just hope that they catch her, man, and try to bring um, and, and, and try to lead this uh, Davis family to a path of peace, you, you know, and some type of justice. That's the only thing that I can um that's the only thing that I could really hope for at this point. I definitely think that um, uh, they will probably offer her some type of plea if she uh, gives them any useful information um, in regards to her daughter. Oh, definitely. I don't know if she'll get mutiny. Um, I don't think that she will get immunity. Uh, I don't think it will be that, but I definitely <laughs> think that she maybe will get some reduced sentence. Listen, I agree. Melly, we said the same thing. Me and Retro said the same thing. Like, what cruise did she go on for ten thousand dollars? Yeah. Like, we said the exact same thing. Like, they she must have rented a yacht or something for ten thousand. Surf, surf it, surf it, everybody. 
Yeah. Right. Like that, drinks for everybody or something. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it had to be, man. But I agree. If they get the mom, they may be able to leverage the mom. Um, I don't know. I guess it just depends on how hard that mom wanna go down. But I could definitely see them they offering her offering her something, maybe off of the jail time that like not the money part, not the restitution part, but maybe the jail time piece of it that they offer her some some time off because I could definitely see that. I could definitely, definitely see them. Um, and I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, to be in the in the grand scheme of things, what would you rather have? What would you rather have behind bars? A murderer or an embezzler? Right. Because again, at the end of the day with the embezzlement, you want the money back, really. So make her pay the restitution. And this family has been through so much. I um, mean, yeah. they lost their mother. Um, they spoke to in the case that uh, the mother succumbed to her uh cancer yeah she stopped going to her treatments she and everything going to the treatments and everything yeah. so uh i don't think that the mom um verdine is going to snitch per se but i think if they if they threaten her with that maximum amount of jail time i mean for that type of money i'm quite sure she can get up to 30 years um i don't know if that's going to be enough to make her give up her daughter but uh, hopefully in their investigation of her and where these funds were uh used maybe they can um discover you know where she's been sending some of his money to and get a, a lead on tammy but uh, her case has been on america's most wanted it's been on unsolved mysteries i mean she's been out there but three years with that's no why i don't movement. think she's in the united states i don't and i mean i know that you know people can hide in plain sight all the time like i get that but honestly i don't think she's in the united states i think she was able to get out of the country and possibly in a country that uh, doesn't no have an extradition, extradition treaty with the United States. So mm-hmm. uh, being that she was a travel agency, I'm sure she's aware of international uh, countries that uh, do not have extradition to the United yeah. States. So um, then again, she could just be your neighbor down in Georgia. She could be right here in Georgia. Yep. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this case up. We got a couple of other more cases that uh, we're going to talk about this week. Uh, we definitely want to uh, cover Shanquilla uh, Robinson. Um, that story is continuing to unfold daily, which is one of the reasons why we kind of haven't touched it. I know Really B has touched it a couple of times over on her channel. And even um, after she's covered it, there's been more developments in the case. I think they laid her to rest on yesterday. So uh, I definitely want to do a little bit more research, and we're going to be back to talk about that this week. Uh, That's another case that um, uh, we need to see some justice in this case, and we we need some answers because it's cases like this that uh, oftentimes they get forgotten about. They may be in the mainstream for the moment, but, you know, as you can see, three years have gone by and this family is no closer to justice than they were when she was originally arrested. So we got to keep cases like this in the front of our mind and not in the back of our mind. And let's help this family get some um, justice because it could happen to any of us. It could happen to any of the people that we love and care about as well. So we as a community, we as a, uh, uh, a minority should stick together and bring awareness to these type of cases because um you just you never know in this day and time that we live in what people are capable of and that's why it's so important that we take heed to the warning signs when we see things that are 
um, disturbing to us that we don't turn a blind eye to that and we look at people for what they show us. Um, and it's just really sad that David had to uh, suffer the ultimate price for trying to love someone that wasn't deserving. All right, guys, we appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. Again, we'll be back this week to talk about some other things. Um, drop y'all theories down in the comments. We would love to continue talking with you guys about this particular case. And um, we'll see you guys later on this week. Peace. See y'all. Peace.